Hey, I'm Stevie. What's up? I'm Monty J. And you're listening to the Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. Where we take a deep dive with your favorite contemporary romance authors. Asking them questions about everything from their writing process to their reading habits, plus so much more. Join us as we help you find your next Bookshelf Boyfriend. Happy anniversary to the Bookshelf Boyfriends podcast. One year of memories, one year of episodes, and here we are on day two, kicking it, chilling. What's up, Stevie? What's up, bookworms? I literally just sounded like I was on a radio host. You know, I was a radio host. It's either a radio show or sometimes you even sound like you're on The Real Housewives. Of Beverly Hills. Like, because last, the one episode you did, you were like, I'm back, bitches. <laughs> Dude, I'm, <laughs> I did. I sounded like I was in the booth. Like, I was having one of my private interviews or whatever. <laughs> and I was talking shit about the other housewives. Confessional. <laughs> confessional, that's what it's called. There we go. I was in the confessional talking shit about the other housewives. Oh, my gosh. So, I hope everybody's having a lovely day. I hope everybody's really excited. Um, like we said, this is but this is only day two. We have so many more, you know, fun things in store for you guys. We hope that you guys are checking everything out that we're doing on our Instagram. Um, just all kinds of fun stuff. Also, if you missed the indie author panel, it will be up on YouTube, so you can definitely go watch that. Check back on it. Watch it. Write down the answers that the authors had. So make sure to go check that out too if you missed it. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna let Stevie talk about what the hell we're doing (laughs) (laughs) um so a couple things we have a giveaway up again today which is the third day of giveaways and it is part of our 14 days of romance and we are giving away siblings best friend we're here for it we're here for it yes yep and we are get i can tell you exactly how many winners we're gonna have for this one because each one is a little different than the last and we're super excited about it let me pull it up andrew estimated how long this thing was going to take me to pull it up but um (laughs) so we have that and it is sibling's best friend or best friend's sibling depending on um the author the author's books that they chose to give us so this will be we will have three signed we will have three winners two will receive three signed paperbacks each and one winner will receive laura pavlov's willow spring series which is books one two and three Mm. um there are still two more books to come but you'll get at least the first three books in the series um we also are on patreon make sure to go check that out if you cannot um donate to the patreon we have a bunch of options for a lot of cool things that you guys can you know join on and be a part of however if you cannot do the patreon totally okay we would really just appreciate spreading us spreading the word by word of mouth leaving us a review on whatever um platform platform you're listening to us and give us like a subscribe on whatever platform it is that you're listening to because we want to be able to keep up with you. Give us a follow on our Instagram. Just, we just, we need, we want people, okay? We want to, we want people to listen to us. That's all we need, guys. 
And hell, if anybody wants to like message us and tell us who you want to see on the podcast, we would totally take those too. Absolutely. Absolutely. What Stevie said. <laughs> I just, yeah. So anything helps. And we're like we said, um, anything helps and we're like super appreciative for everything you guys have done for us thus far we would not be here if it wasn't for you listeners and here we are a year later doing the damn thing yep and then so let's get into today's guest who i'm very excited about and this is her first time on she has never been on before um and that is adriana Locke who is best known for her Gibson boys and her Landry series. Super exciting. Super exciting. Do you want me to read her bio? Go ahead. All right. USA Today and Washington Post bestseller, bestselling author Adriana Locke lives and breathes books after years of slightly obsessing, obsessive relationships with flawed bad boys created by authors adriana has created her own she resides in the midwest with her husband sons and two dogs she spends a large amount of time playing with her kids drinking coffee and cooking you can find her outside if the weather's nice and there's always a piece of candy in her pocket please contact adriana at www.adrianalock.com she loves to hear from her readers without further ado let's go chat with miss adriana Thank you so much for joining us on our anniversary, Adriana Locke. We are super stoked to have you. Welcome. Thank you guys for having me and happy anniversary. How exciting. I know. It's kind of crazy. Like, it's literally insane to me that A, I have not, like, I've only been friends with Stevie for, you know, a year. So feels it, like 10. <laughs> it feels like 10 years that I've been friends with her. So it's like, oh my God, that's just insane. But I feel like we've done so much in a year that it doesn't even, it feels so much longer. Plus it was like halfway after COVID. And we were so, in lockdown still when we did this. <laughs> exactly. So I think COVID added like 10 years of my life. That that's, I think that's true for all of us, but isn't it funny how book friends are really like we say book friends are the best friends, but isn't it true? Like how, how bonded you can be to someone for over your love of books. I think it's better than any other thing ever. Absolutely. I have met some, and we, I was literally talking the, the other day, like the last podcast we did about this. I have met some of the like friends that I will have for a lifetime in this book world. Because I, I think there's just something about the fact that we all bond over the same like thing. Like, and I feel like reading is such a, an important part of all of our lives. And like writing is such an important part of our lives and like having friends that also understand the like severity and importance of that is like a big deal. And so like when you meet people you connect with in this author world and like book world in general, it's just like, those are the friends I'm going to have forever, bro. Forever and ever. Some of the very first friends that I met in the book world, I think my first friend was Carrie March and she does all of my book covers now um, with the exception of just a couple of them. And I feel like I've known her my whole life and I will be friends with her and we don't ha- even have to talk every day. We can go, you know, days or even a couple of weeks sometimes and not talk, but we can pick it back up. And it's like, we're, we have the bond that I, that you had that you read about with from people that have uh, friends from kindergarten and preschool, you know, uh, exactly. it's, it's a special thing. It's amazing. I love it. I literally love it. So super 
just I don't know I know that every world has their issues and bumps in the world bumps in the road shit bumps in the road (laughs) and that's fine but for the most part this has been one of the best freaking I don't even know what to call it I'm telling you that 2 a.m idea came out of nowhere and it was just like we went smooth sailing with it it was because it was COVID (laughs) we needed something to do we were driving we're going fucking crazy um, so we're going to jump right on into questions for you. Uh, Stevie, do you want to kick it off or you want me to go first? I can do it. Okay, cool. Go. I'll take question number two then. All right. We're going to start with the Gibson boys just because this is a series that I just recently read and we just talked about it on another episode. <laughs> I think who was, who were we just talking to that I just brought this series up with? Um, I'm not sure. Oh, it was it was Molly McLean. It was Molly yeah. McLean. Oh, I love her. She's a doll. So her and I had this whole conversation on her episode about certain scenes in your book. Serious? Now I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it. Oh, is this the one? Is this, this the one? This is absolutely the author that put that scene with the wall and Oh, okay. Got it, got it. That was the funniest conversation we've ever been a part of. Okay. <laughs> So we're starting with that book, which is Crank, and it's Sienna. Sienna is a Landry. Yes. Um, and she is, she meets Walker after hitting his car with a baseball bat. She does. Lovely. <laughs> so what made you want to connect the Landry family with the Gibson Boys series? I love writing series because you get to stay in the world like for a long time because it's so hard to walk away from characters that you just love so much. But I feel like for my creativity you know I don't want to be stuck in one world forever and I want to explore new ideas and concepts and tropes and different things that may not fit the Landry world and then also for readers you know I know as a reader because I'm a reader well before I'm a writer that if I see a book come out and I want to read it even if it says it's an interconnected standalone and I don't have to read the other five books if I'm in a book six I feel a little anticipation or anxiety about picking up the book six because how do I know I'm going to miss something and I don't maybe have time to read the previous five books so I really wanted to allow other readers to jump in at a different entry point and be able to to test the waters and if they really liked it they could go back and read the other books and it helped my creativity too you know getting to getting to experience a new family and the Gibsons are definitely one of my favorites I love them (laughs) I listen I love when that's like my it's like a little prize like I love that like when you okay so you know how like your kindle will give you um recommendations right like you finish reading and it gives you it's like it's like it knows that you're done reading and it's like oh wait before you leave (laughs) stay in this hole that you're in and I'm like six books deep and I'm like fine I'll go I'll go look at you know what kindle is recommending me and my, like, it's like, it's like getting a crack, it's like getting a prize at the bottom of a Cracker Jack box when you're reading, you read a book, right? And you're like, oh my God, that book was phenomenal. I love that book. You get to the end of it. And the lady's like, oh, it's a part of an interconnected standalone series. And there's like four of them. And I'm like, yes, Lord Jesus. <laughs> so immediately just go back to Amazon, one click, all of them, even if they're not on, listen, you get me if you have, if you have an interconnected standalone series, I have gotten so, I used to be somebody that could read an entire series about one couple and be fine, you know, like, you know, they had cliffhangers and I was like, fine, because that was just the norm, but then 
y'all started coming out of the woodworks with the each couple gets their own book and I was like oh I can't go back now y'all done fucked me up for life <laughs> now, I will say when I, I could never write these but I will say that my favorite books to read are trilogies the old school three book one couple drama 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 like that is my bread and butter if I find those it is the happiest day for me do you read fantasy I don't except um the only fantasy that I've ever read and I loved it but it was YA fantasy is Kyla Lindy's um the ascension series it starts with the affiliate they are unbelievable the covers are my favorite the covers are my favorite covers of any book ever in the history of like book covers they're beautiful but the stories like play out like it's all it's it's a very unique reading experience because they truly read as if you're watching a movie and it it's a pretty interesting um like I said experience to read those books but that's the only fantasy books I've ever read Okay, because I was going to say, there is this series, it's called, I mean, it's, it's pretty popular, so you might have heard of it, it's called Shatter, it's called the Shatter Me series by, I literally cannot pronounce her name, I will literally butcher it, butcher it. it's like Tajan Mahi or something like that. Okay. Um, there's like Shatter Me, um, Undo Me, like it's a, it's a, it was originally a trilogy, originally a trilogy, and then she recently went back and made it five books. Don't fucking read the five, fourth and fifth book; it'll ruin it. But you can—that's like you can—you can perfectly read the. That's what I'm saying. You could perfectly read the three books as a trilogy and end it, and never even know that the other books are out there because it was originally just supposed to be a trilogy. Well, I'm going on vacation tomorrow for like ten days. Okay. And I've been looking for a really good trilogy. I haven't found a good one since Jessica Hawkins, um, The Cityscape Affair. Mm. I don't know if you've read those, but I'm telling you what, five stars, crazy, so good. My heart belongs to David Dillon. Um, so I will look those up because I've been looking for a trilogy and haven't really found anything that's wetted my mm. whistle. It's um, it's not really like too fantasy. It's almost like this a dystopian kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And when I, thought, when I tell you that this series has the most, has my favorite morally gray alpha male badass ever in it, I mean <laughs> it with my whole soul. Warren, and it's got a love triangle. And it's one of those love triangles that's so good because you don't know who the fuck she's going to end up with. Right. And, and pieces of the love, the other piece of the love triangle, like there's obviously the good guy, obviously, Adam. And then you have this freaking you have the villain who's the other piece of the love triangle. And I was like, bro, <laughs> I'm in love. I'm in love. Well, when you said morally gray alpha, you had me. Like, that's really, yeah. if somebody should just name a book that, I'll be like, click, don't need anything else. That's hard. I'm there. That's literally me, seriously. <laughs> and you'll, you'll like, I think you'll really like it because it's not super heavy fantasy. And it, it it's, it's realistic and modern enough that, people can imagine it and people can be submerged into the world because it's not an entirely like world built thing where they're building like their own like country they're in they're still on earth so I mean it's very it's very almost realistic like you could think it might happen actually oh I'll I will definitely check that one out check it out check it out okay so anyways moving forward I got off on a tangent which is gonna happen a fucking lot in this (laughs) on this podcast because I talk a lot okay anyways Walker has a 
messed up outlook on life from his own personal experiences. And Sienna just doesn't want to be put in a metaphorical box. Mm -hmm. So these two characters coming together, chef kisses, chef, chef kisses. Okay. So what was your favorite thing about writing Walker and Sienna's story? Also, am I saying her fucking name right? Sienna? Yes. Yeah, Sienna. Okay, yes. Cool. For sure. My also, favorite sex. Woo! <laughs> I, I literally just turned red. I don't like to talk about my sex scenes. I don't like to write them. <laughs> I write them and like literally it's, I used, okay, so I used to wait until the book was done and my betas would get brackets that said insert sex scene here then go back and write them and that was it now I write them as I go but literally I send them to my betas and I'm like I don't care if you guys want to make changes like they're not it's not how I'm done like I'm never revisiting this again I don't know why I just ugh. anyway anyway <laughs> I love sex scenes though this is not my favorite part oh, I love to read them if somebody else writes them <laughs> I get it I get it though I like I love writing them though they're so much fun uh, and I literally, we have, we have a friend, we have an author friend who, I think it's Kat, who was trying to like figure out like inspiration on like a sex scene or like JC or something. And I was like, bro, go watch porn. <laughs> it, was, it was Kat because she needed to look up porn for her ballet bar scene. I was like, bro, go watch porn. And she was like, are you serious right now? Or are you joking? And I was like, no, I'm dead ass serious. Like, just go watch porn. I mean, like, make sure you tell your husband that, you know, like I'm, we're doing research. Like I'm not doing this for any other reason. But uh, uh, yeah, go watch porn. And like, and people think I'm fucking crazy when I say that, but I'm not. I genuinely, this is so, I don't even care. Okay. I genuinely will pull up porn and some type of, I don't know, like nothing crazy, depending on like what vibe I'm going for in the book. Okay. I'll pull up a porn and then I will literally pull up my notes and I'll just like describe what's happening. Like I'll literally just write a script of what is going on in this video and it helps me like learn how to A, describe sex scenes, B, right. like where body parts are going and how they're moving. <laughs> and like, it helps. It genuinely helps me. And it's like, not that I'm writing that for my character sex scene. I'm just like writing it for practice for my characters. <laughs> I hate writing them, period. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I just- The sad thing is that you're really good at it. <laughs> Thanks. I don't, I just, uh, I don't know. It, it just gets me a little flustered. I, but I guess that's the point. Maybe, maybe that's the point. Um, my favorite part of writing the two of them, um, Walker and Sienna was Walker's grumpiness and Sienna's sort of optimism. Like, I don't know. I would know that I would necessarily classify her as cheery per se, but she definitely has came from an easier background and an easier, you know, she's not had to worry about the same things that Walker has. And so she has a more upbeat, I mean, a more upbeat take on life where Walker's more, he's broody and he's a broody motherfucker. And I love that mix of the two of them. And that was really fun to kind of play off of them. I love, you said broody. I love, I love a guy that's, I love an asshole. I don't even I care. Do too. I do too. It's my favorite. Like I, I all tell my husband, he's like, what are you reading? And I'm like, oh, this guy, he's such a fucking jerk. And like, and he's like, so do you want me to, I'm like, no, I'll, I'll kill you. Like, we're not, this is just fantasy, dude. Okay. But, I will literally stab you. Like, yeah. We're not like, let's not take notes on that. I just like to read it. Okay. 
Exactly. And that's, I had that conversation with my significant other, like two months ago where he was like, girls, like, don't want guys that treat them like trash. Like, and I'm like, no, we want fiction men that mm-hmm. treat us like trash. Realize I love men. I love shitty men written by women. Okay. Let's get that one thing straight. Okay. That's it. Sure. For, so, but, I, but I can't write them. Like I can't really write a, a true asshole. Like some of my characters are kind of jerks. Like Kane Alexander from The Exception, which is the first book I ever wrote. He he does some like pretty bullshit things. Um, but I really can't write like the, the guys that I love, like my favorite book heroes. Like I can't, I can't write that. I don't know. They're difficult. They're hard. I get it. All right, Stevie, you can take question three. Okay, so we're going to move on to craft, which is Lance and Mariah's story. And one thing I really liked about this book is how different they are. Lance likes to tease her, and Mariah's more of, like, she's just got a school, like, a crush on him and just, like, lets him get to her. So what surprised you most about Lance and Mariah's story? She totally does. about them when I started writing their story I sort of just kind of let it go I didn't even know uh the dark moment which I can't say without spoiling it I didn't really even know that piece of the puzzle um so I liked their unpredictability and I liked how they sort of just brought things to the table and they really were opposites in a lot of ways you know he just wants to wants to screw with her a lot and she doesn't really know what to do with that and that was um a lot of fun to sort of explore and then to explore um the reason why he sort of hesitates at the end I don't want to give it away um I had never done that before uh with him and it was uh it was an interesting thing to write and to sort of look at from a different angle I like that same I mean I, I don't know. I think it's, I think there's something beautiful about characters that surprise authors. Like, it's like, ah, we're going to go one direction. And they're like, psych. Yeah. For going sure. somewhere else. <laughs> um, so you also released the Novelia, which is a second chance romance with Cross and Callie. So what yeah. made you want to write their story? That story was written initially for a team player anthology that we, that uh, a group of authors, we put together in a, in December of the year that Crank came out. And so I knew that I wanted to, to sort of play with Cross. I felt like he had a story, but I, originally he was going to have a more, um, prominent role in the series that he ended up having but I and I knew that he had a little story but I didn't know I didn't feel like it would warrant a full novel and I didn't want to just leave him hanging and so when I was presented with the idea of doing the anthology I was like this is the perfect story for me to write to get it out of my system to make him you know so that I don't feel like I left him out in the cold um but without (laughs) you know feeling like I have to come up with a whole story for him because I, I never want to force a story or feel like I'm just giving you a novel to sell you a novel there has to be a story there and so it really just kind of worked out I I think I hate when like side characters are like let me have a book <laughs> <Because> <laughs> like I every author out there 
but I, but as a reader, I love it when that happens to authors, right? Because like, especially when I'm reading standalones, like they're interconnected, right? And I'm reading and like, I, I pick up on a vibe from somebody and I'm like, oh, that'd be dope to, I, that'd be dope for him to have a, you know, a book or whatever. And I go and like, they've already read it and wrote it, wrote, read it, read it, really? Oh my God. They've already wrote it. And I'm like, yes, Lord. But as an author, I'm also like, I know that dude just was not supposed to have a book. I know he wasn't. <laughs> well, uh, Peck's brother in the Gibson Boys series has a, Peck's, Peck has a brother named Vincent. Yeah. And I never um, really expected Vincent to even come into the series. Like he was supposed to be just sort of an off-page character that we knew um, had helped develop Peck's you know, backstory and yeah. personality, but we weren't ever really going to see Vincent. And then Crazy, which is Peck's story, the last book in the series comes, um, and here comes Vincent with his son, Sawyer. And um, so now I'm like, and I fell in love with him immediately. And so I, uh, they will be getting books next year, or he will, um, Vincent will be getting a book next year because I just can't say no to him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's like my favorite thing that happens ever. <laughs> okay, so Crave, we get Macklin's story, which is the other Gibson brother, the third one. Mm-hmm. And this is his and Hadley's story, and this is best friend's little sister because Hadley is uh, Cross's sister. Yes. What was your inspiration behind their story? Because these two, they hated each other in the beginning. They didn't like talking about each other. Mm-mm. <laughs> I but I feel like that's really you know I feel like their story is maybe the most realistic piece of fiction mm-hmm. in the Gibson boys series um because they really have a complicated history again without giving away too much but I feel like so many people have that one person in their past that you know maybe really really hurt them in, in really deep ways and they don't even want to freaking discuss it and that was the two of them. I mean, I feel like they loved each other so much that they that there was sort of a, a complication in their relationship and they just could not, even, it, they were in so much pain that they couldn't even talk about it to heal it or to, to move past it. It just festered forever. And then Hadley comes home and they're thrown together and, you know, the love is still there. Uh, there's a thin line between love and hate, right? And I feel like that that, that that that's the that's the most realistic story probably I think in that series also the most emotional I think oh yeah there is nothing like a lovers hating each other book trope oh it gets me every time it's it's (laughs) old but a goodie gets me every time and I am on TikTok and obviously my TikTok FYP just knows like what I like and obviously it's just giving me people that also feel the same way I do about books and I've like seen the TikToks where people like, and it's mostly for fantasy genre, but where people are like, um, when the when the enemies to lovers like hate to love vibe goes from I hate you to who did this to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, right. I feel that on a spiritual level. Those are like those are like my favorite types of books are the books that toe the line of like love and hate, which you, I think you do very well in this book. Um, so congratulations to you being able to do that. Um, crazy has hands down one of the, one of mine and Stevie's absolute favorite characters <laughs> ever. And that's Peck. 
Um, he is the Gibson boy's cousin, and this story is a case of mistaken identity, which I, I think that trope in general is just so freaking cool. But was that the plan from the beginning, or did it just play out as you, as you wrote it? It played out as I wrote it. I, what, I'll just be honest. I wasn't really, when I first mapped out the series, right, when I was starting Crank, um, I expected that Peck would be with Molly McCarter which is, oh, this is a spoiler. I think everybody okay? did. <laughs> and so spoiler, it is not Molly McCarter, but I thought that it would be, but she turned so nasty. And then, you know, I didn't expect her to be as nasty kind of as she, as she turned out to be. Yeah. And so I knew that, I mean, it, Peck truly loves Molly, like in a, in a way that I don't know that anybody else in her life does. And, but I didn't feel like that love was a love. Like it was a love, but it wasn't like the one that holds you, the, the one that, you know, you're your destined lover, right? Yeah. He needed someone better. And so I wasn't sure. And I really just started writing and the whole first chapter sort of just played out. And I was like, okay, this works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I think it was almost like he felt like that was what he deserved. Like that was all that he felt like he deserved was, you know, just what he was, you know, in that situation with Molly. But I mean, it takes, it takes like somebody that like real love that like can't breathe without you love for you to realize that, oh, okay, well, maybe I deserve like a little more than that. For sure. I think he totally did feel like he just deserved Molly. And I also feel like out of the Peck's loyalty is really unmatched. You know, he is truly loyal to his family and to the people that he sort of deems as his, right? And he, I feel like, had a hard time um, sort of wrestling with the idea of uh, loving someone else and her, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it was fun to watch him actually fall in love, love with somebody else. Obsessed. So, (laughs) Stevie, you're, I I about fucking did question seven I was just rolling with it go ahead Stevie sorry all right this is my favorite question because I get to ask it all the time now and yeah she would have been so a mad. lot of authors don't know the answer to this question they get really flustered when we <laughs> ask this question <laughs> so if the Gibson boys were to be made into a tv or movie series who would you cast what celebrities would you cast in the roles that this when I was kind of, I this is hard the only person that I meet that I don't always let me start over. I don't always <laughs> see people as my characters, like not often actually. Um, but I always saw Peck as Alex. What's it? He was in Magic Mike. What's his Metaphor. Last name? Metaphor. Yes, he was always Peck in my head. Like that image of him was always my Peck. So I feel like that one is the That's only hot. one that I'm sure of. I am, there was a, there's an Australian rugby player named Daniel Kahn. Um, him up right now. And he's beautiful. Um, he's sort of what I would imagine Macklin to sort of look like. He's not an actor. So I don't know if this answers your question, but here we are. Um, and oh, good feel, Lord. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're, you're welcome for that little piece of, of delightfulness oh this morning. I know. Against him? Naked? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like 
Tom Hardy plays a really good broody like asshole and I feel like he would probably be a good walker oh yes however I can't look at Tom Hardy the same after he's on Peaky Blinders um have you ever seen Peaky Blinders I actually do not watch much TV at all okay well Peaky Blinders he's in Peaky Blinders and the way that he talks like he talks like like you can't understand a fucking word he says and it's so (laughs) funny but it's also like I don't know like it's taken away the attractiveness level yeah with him because it's like that's all I see him as but I'm gonna be honest with you he's still sexy he's still sexy I love Tom Hardy he is actually um this is is my crew gentry from sacrifice which is not in the Gibson Boys series it's a standalone but he really is my crew my crew gentry oh also have you seen endless love with alex pettifer in it no nope oh my God. Not. immediately go watch that because i think if you go watch that i think you'll be like yeah he's definitely pick like 100 <laughs> percent. well that's good to know that i that my that my muse radar was not wrong <laughs> seriously you should go watch it it's a good movie um and it's like romance um so that is our final book question we're going to move and segue into writing questions, which is my portion. So when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer slash author? You know, I don't, I remember being in third grade and wanting to be a writer. Um, I, well, I would tell people that I was going to be an author, but I love to read books. I always had a book. I remember my mom used to go to Sam's club and they would have the three babysitters club books, the, the, the newest three in a box set. Mm. paperbacks and she would bring those home to me and I would just devour them I loved it and I remember yeah probably (laughs) but that's when I I remember then wanting to be an author and then I sort of veered away from that although I always read books and I never really considered writing in an authory publishing kind of way until I was in my 30s and my husband sort of challenged me to write a book and I was like okay basically to prove him wrong and to have something to do in the winter time and I wrote the exception so I feel like it's always been in my soul but maybe I just kind of I've had I have four children and so I spent my entire 20s raising boys right Mm. baby boys I always had a baby so I feel like there wasn't a lot of room in my 20s to sort of think about those kind of things because I had butts to wipe you know yeah and I also think that any job that you like any job you want to pursue or career you want to pursue that's involved in some type of art field whether that be painting or sculpting or writing or something creative and art you know it's not like a like society doesn't back that as like a stable career right like your whole life like all you hear is like oh yeah, you know, art is cool. Painting is cool, but like, you can't be a professional painter. Like that's not going to pay the bills, you know? And so it's like, I feel like a lot of authors, me included, I feel like a lot of authors felt like, you know, oh, well, it's not going to pay the bills. Like I need to go out and I need to have a big girl job and I need to get, you know, all of these things done and that, and then I can maybe do it on the side, but it's like, no, like I can make a genuine career out of this and it's like a legit career that will pay the bills so yeah and I think it's just like figuring that out like on your own is scary but it's very very rewarding and I feel like too writing romance and sort of writing you know the characters that I do I don't know if in my 20s that I had enough 
experience to pull from. You know, I grew up in a very, 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 very small town. And um, I spent a lot of my 20s at home, like I said, you know, raising kids. And I don't know that I knew enough about people or life or situations that I couldn't have told necessarily the stories. Maybe I would have told different ones and it would have been fine. But I couldn't write the stories that I write now without having experienced some of the things that I have and watching people that I know and love experience other things and reading and traveling. And it's really, I don't know that I could have done it before I did it. Totally understandable. However, I'm younger. I will say that you can't see me right now, but I am, you're frozen. She's frozen. I'm going to wait until you get unfrozen. Okay, I think you're good. I think you're back. Am I a person now? Okay. Okay, so no, I am younger, um, but I will say that I, I, I had like a really rough childhood and I think trauma ages people. So I literally just pull all inspiration from past trauma in childhood. And that seems to work. That seems to be what's working at the moment. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes, we can hear you. <laughs> so are you a plotter, a pantser, or somewhere in between? It depends on the book. Um, I like to be a plotter. Some books I really can't do that, um, but I plot when I can. Okay, yeah, cool. I mean, I feel like I'm somewhere in between all the time because... I'm just, just, a, you know, I have no idea how to get my shit together. So I'm just all <laughs> over the place. Um, so do you have any interesting quirks? Like when you're writing, like, do you have like a specific routine or like, do you have to always be eating Twizzlers or like wearing the same, you know, like pair of socks or something? I really can only write at my desk. Like I see pictures of authors like writing from their couches and like outside and in chairs. If I'm not writing at my desk in my office, I really struggle to write. I, it's almost like I have to be to tell myself, okay, like now you, now we're writing, you know, yeah. I put that hat on, I guess. I think that's my, that's my thing. I put on a mer- metaphorical hat, which is actually a hoodie. It's my meta. It's like my writing hoodie <laughs> and I have to have like a different one for each book. And it's like, when I slip that thing on, I'm like, yeah, we're putting on the magic words. <laughs> that's why I love hoodies so maybe I should do that and then my husband I would be like hey I'd find hoodie. sorry <laughs> I love it so what do you like to do when you're not writing um I I don't really watch tv unless it's football season I'm a huge huge football fan I love football um so I watch team? if it's football season I'm watching football are you no I said who's your favorite team Oh, I thought you said, and me. Um, well, I'm sort of at a interesting place in my football life. I was a Patriots fan until now because really I was a Julian Edelman fan. He's my okay. second husband, um, but he retired. So I think when I was a little girl, I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. So Uh-oh. I feel like I'm going, I'm going back home to the Cowboys, but we live in Ohio. So I also probably will root for the Browns. Okay. It's just even funnier because I don't know, I haven't said where I'm from, but I'm a Baltimore native and I am a huge Ravens fan. Now, I do always appreciate the Ravens defense, I will say. 
I think we've gotten better in the offense now that we've drafted a really good quarterback that can grow. So For sure. now since Joe Flacco has left us. <laughs> I mean, I'd love Joe Flacco. I met him when he first got drafted here, but so I watch football during football season. Otherwise, I love to garden and plant stuff. And I my one of my kids wrestles, and so we do a lot of wrestling. And I just hang out with my family. I like to be outside, and I like to cook things. I don't really like to clean it up as much, but I just oh. piddle around. <laughs> I need somebody to teach me how to garden. I have a black thumb. I kill everything. I love to garden. I love to plant. My husband actually told me this year, like no more plants this year. He's like, seriously, you can't even get to our front door because I have all of these like citrus trees and pots that I'm trying to get started. (laughs) Um, He's like, we're done here. And I'm like, ah, but one more. He's like, you bring another fucking plant home. You're going to have to move out. I'm like, well, I'll take my plants with me. Damn it. Well, I'm a plant, not a baby. Thank God. So, I have raised my babies. That well, I, I mean, I'm you know, I I don't I don't wish to go back to the baby stage. That's what I mean. I have like nine thousand siblings, and like they just I don't think I even want to have kids because I got enough of them damn siblings. <laughs> so, what does your family think about your writing, and have they read any of your books? My family loves that I write. Um, my husband has read some of them, um, sacrifice he gives to everyone. If anybody comes to our house, whether it be, you know, a repairman or the Jehovah's Witnesses, they leave with a paperback copy of sacrifice. Um, he, they, like, he, everybody gets, like, I, if somebody orders it on my website, I'm like, I need to check to see if I have any left. Um, my kids obviously haven't read my books. My mother-in-law buys two paperbacks of every book. I don't know why. She doesn't know why, but she does. She reads them. My sister-in-laws read them. Um, everyone's really supportive. I We tried to like, we weren't sure what my sons would think as they get older about their mom being a romance writer and things. But one time we had my, I kept running out of pens, like my Adriana Lock pens. And I was like, where are they going? Like, I'm not going to events. Like, I couldn't figure it out. My second son was taking them to school. And like, everybody in the middle school was using Adriana Love pens. He's like my little marketing child. So like the complete wrong demographic. But damn it, he was trying. Oh my God, I love that. (laughs) See, like, that's the reason why I'm going to have kids. I just want to have my children go pimp my books out. But at the same time, they got to grow up, which takes time six times and they're a lot of work the kids are a lot of work we have an author friend of ours whose son took one of her books off her off her shelf and she didn't know about it being missing and he took it to school and gave it to his teacher oh one of my kids did that for christmas he took one of my books and gave it to his teacher for christmas and my kids they were little he was like in sixth grade i'm like oh dear and it was like the spiciest one and I'm like what have you that's what that's what happened with hers and it, the teacher texted her and goes oh my god I'm obsessed with your book I need another one I, <laughs> I didn't hear back from the teacher but we were in like a really conservative Bible belt school so I they probably just prayed for me which is cool I'll take prayers 
literally me though. All right, so that is my last writing question. I'm gonna let Stevie take over reading questions. Take it away, pal. Okay. Has a book ever changed your life or your outlook on something? Oh, I mean everything. I think you take away, you know, a piece of every book that you read and it sort of wiggles in your heart and you think about it and whether it's your relationship, the way you treat somebody, the way you think about things. I think Fifty Shades changed so much for, for, I mean, I want to say everyone, right? Um, Because of that book I started reading romance again I had read it before and I'd kind of started reading other things and a friend of mine literally shoved that book in my hands and was like you have to read this book and that I mean if I hadn't read that book at that time in my life and got on that path and met the people that I did and I would never have written written books I mean my whole life trajectory would have been completely different and that's crazy to think that you know, E.L. James sat down and wrote a book and this girl in, in the Midwest of the United States picked it up and it changed her whole life. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't even think that, I mean, I think when she wrote it, I don't even think that she thought it would be like, not only a super phenomenal, you know, series of books, but also just like a catalyst for so many other careers not even careers, but just like for the romance genre in general. I felt like Fifty Shades of Grey was the first real like acknowledgement and nod to romance where women felt like, hey, like we can talk about liking reading sexy books and we don't have to always have discreet covers and we don't have to like, you know, be ashamed that we like to read spicy sex scenes. Right. 100% that book totally I mean obviously that's the biggest impact I think the book ever had on my life was that one 100% love it love it love it so what attracts you to a book the cover the boy or a recommendation I mean everything like I buy books all the time just because I like their covers like look I was talking earlier about the Ascension series from Kyla Lindy um the YA fantasy I've never read fantasy except for that series. And I literally saw that cover and I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I want this, right? Um, so definitely the cover there, sometimes I'll read blurbs. And I think Whitney G is her blurbs always just, I read it. I read her blurbs. I don't even know what the cover is. I don't know what it's about. I don't know what the title is. I read the blurb. I'm like, I have to have that. And then obviously recommendations for others when people push books into your hands. I had um, back a few years ago, I don't, my, I have a friend named Trish and she made me read. I don't read dark romance generally. Like I have my, my genre, not my stuff normally. She was like, you're reading this freaking book and it was Captive in the Dark by C.J. Roberts. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to like it. Like <laughs> she's like, no, no, read it. Just hang with me. And um, that was one of my favorite, like that series is one of my favorite series of all time. And so without Trisha's recommendation, I never would have read those books. So all of them, like just all of those things. I literally love dark romance. That's my shit. It's my jam. I'm a cover whore. I, I have, I, with dark romance, like if I have a thing about, I don't even know how to explain it, but you guys will understand. I feel like a crazy, if, if like people who weren't in our world, they would never understand. But like, there has to be some redeeming quality about the guy. If he's going to kidnap <laughs> her and yeah. beat her, I at least need to know that he's like, I felt like Caleb in Captive in the Dark 
had like you could sort of tell one percent that he didn't want to be doing these things to her necessarily yeah. and that was enough I just needed to see that there was hope that he wasn't just a trash human being right yeah yeah see I don't need that <laughs> like so <laughs> I will <laughs> I am so bad I am I, I don't even care I read like the, like I mean if somebody's like hey I have a dark romance recommendation hi okay um so yes dark romance is my jam and my jelly like I literally have people who are like yeah I have a dark romance recommendation and they'll send it to me and I'm like oh you know it's okay like I literally don't need to have a guy have a redeeming quality like I <laughs> I read this whole series about serial killer men falling in love with women however I will say that they only killed bad people they were like Dexter oh I love Dexter see I'm cool with that yeah so they were like Dexter so I was like but at the same time like these were the type of books where like these guys were like not saying I love you to the heroine like they're like okay it's you know how like a cat will bring you a dead squirrel to your front door but it's like they mean it with love you know like love you know so it's almost like that like they don't say I love you but they'll like bring you the head of the girl who called you a bitch in middle school or something like that so it's like oh that's almost as romantic as like a box of chocolates I guess so <laughs> it's fine it's fine anyways okay Stevie you can go on with the next question okay so you kept when you, I asked this question you can totally pimp out your friends on this one what are who are some of your favorite authors to read oh I love um Whitney G I will just one click her stuff like I think she writes the best asshole alpha guys like I love her heroes like endlessly um I love if I need to laugh I read Jana Aston her comedies are always so good and because I think the reason I think that Jana Aston's comedies are so good is not even that they are like supposed to be funny although they obviously they are the rom-coms but it's because I see me and her heroines like the awkwardness and the like the real feeling of like tripping over your words or wearing something that you you know, didn't plan out or just like, re it feels really real to me. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, Mandy Beck's my best friend and I love her books. Um, there's just so, there's so many, there's so many books that I just, people that I love. Jessica Hawkins, like I mentioned her earlier, she writes hot and steamy and angst. And I, I love that. I'm here for Those that. are some of mine. Those are some of my go-tos. Now, do you prefer e-reader or physical copies? I really prefer physical copies. We're about to go on vacation, like I said, tomorrow, and I have a whole bag full of paperbacks because I'm not sure what vibe I'm going to be into on vacation, right? <laughs> and so, like, I need options. Like, some people take shoes and, like, dresses on vacation. I'm like, I've got a sundress, a bathing suit, and some books. I don't need anything else. And my husband's like, are you sure? I'm like, we're gone. Peace, peace out. I'm good. Um, so obviously physical copies but I do always buy them on ebook and then if I really want to read it like if I like if I get to that point I usually just buy it on paperback also so I am no joke I literally am a, like even when I was young and I was like in middle school my dad I was the a person that my dad was like now listen you're gonna have to pick two books and two books only 
<laughs> but but dad like I have you know like you know options and he's like two books and two, <laughs> two books, books only and so now as an adult I'm like I'm gonna take as many fucking books as I want to and like I went on vacation with them um as an adult and I like I it was so funny because like we got there and I like pulled my bag out of the car and I was like dad five books <laughs> that's right <laughs> That's right. Ah. Five books now. <laughs> so now my husband just put the bag in the car because he knows I will literally drive myself on this 13 hour trip if if we try to like fuck with my books. I'm taking yeah. them all. Same. <laughs> so what was your last five star read? It was Break Up With Me for Him by Whitney G. That title alone, I that wasn't one of your options earlier. What attracts you to a book, the cover, the blurb, or recommendations. Titles also attract me to books. And I thought that that title was so good. Break up with me, break up with him for me. And I clicked it on the title. I knew nothing else. I didn't know the cover, the blurb. I just bought it. And um, it was so good. It was so good. Five stars. We're going to talk about titles for a second here because we have had an author on here who has a co-write series called oh god i love these titles so it's called the gd taylor series and it's by willow and laura yes those titles are some of the best titles i have ever read like have they they released the names of them right what's the one with the mom one so it's it's uh that one is don't cry over spilled milk. Ah, that's my favorite. She's sending me the arc for the next one, and the third book is called another another mother faker. That's a great title too. A right. great I'm title. <laughs> I have those books in paperback and ebook, <laughs> and probably an arc copy too. If I was really looking. Um, so they are in my bag. My pa- Those paperbacks are in my bag for vacation. They're so good. Like Wanted, Wed, or Alive. Yes. I literally, I love these titles. These titles were so good. And you know my- what, makes it e- what makes it even better is that Willow and Laura, it's Willow Astor and Laura Pavlov, um, they are both like two of the nicest human beings like in the universe. And I love when things come together where like there's a book I love or a title or a cover or synopsis or whatever it is but I also know that the people behind them are just like good salt of the earth like you just would are blessed to kind of know them people and they both are and it just makes it like a wonderful cherry on this like awesome cake. Laura's the sweetest human alive she was on here a couple weeks ago and we talked about how the Montgomery Brothers series is one of my favorites. And she actually sent me the entire series. Yeah. And with, I think it was a personalized note or something that was, that was attached to one of the books. And it was the sweetest thing in the world. And I talked to her almost daily now. Uh, yeah, she's, they're, they're so nice people, but they're, yeah, their titles are amazing. I think every time I see a new one, I hadn't heard the next two. Um, but every time I see them, I always giggle like that's that that's good. <laughs> I think the third, the final one is called um, "Friends, Friends with uh, Friends, Friends with Benefactor." Yeah, Friends with Benefactor. That's cute too. They're so creative. I love that. And they're funny books. They're really, really funny. I will have to put that at the top of my TBR this week. 
I think I laughed so hard those first two books. Like I, I almost fell out of my chair reading book two and I had messed with Laura and I was like, I, I'm almost on the floor. And she, <laughs> he's like, I just screenshotted this and sent it to Willow. It's like crazy. <laughs> Cause there's a reference to Nipplegate and I was just like, I'm done. Uh, That's so good. I know that we were just talking about football, but I got a notification on my phone from the Bruins. Okay, listen, I watch hockey. I don't watch football. I watch hockey. Um, and I just got, sorry, I just got a notification. This is so random, but I just got a notification because I have my notification turned on for the Bruins. And right now it's a very, very integrated time for the Bruins because, you know, like free agents are being signed and we're switching people around. And I am literally about to have a breakdown on this podcast right now because we literally just released two people from contracts and now they are like no longer a part of the Bruins organization and I am actively going to start crying on this podcast okay sorry <laughs> there's my team there's my TED talk I feel that way about football so I I can sympathize with you oh my god my heart is broken to a million pieces okay sorry Stevie moving forward we're on trip questions okay anywho um, this is our last, we're segueing into trope questions. This is our last portion of the podcast, which is sucky because this has been super fun having you on and talking to you, but this is our favorite part of the podcast. So what is your favorite trope to write and why? I like to write, um, my favorite, it's not really a trope, but I really like to write high angst, like, okay. um, my book, my standalone sacrifice written in the scars, wherever it leads, those are just complete standalones. And the angst level is definitely much, much, much higher than it is in my family series. And that's actually my favorite thing to write, but I don't write it nearly as often. I mean, I have three books of my 30 are, I don't know what that percentage is because I don't do math, but that's my, those are my high angst. And that's my favorite. I feel like you can really get in deeper on characters and really get more serious about topics and situations um but I don't do it very often because it takes a lot out of me I don't know how these authors just like Kate Stewart just delivers that like over and over and I'm like girl like do you just cry every day because I would just cry every day like Candy Steiner oh my god oh god don't even get me started I'm like what and she's such a happy person she really is I don't understand yeah candy like I don't understand literally literally one of the only I mean I read a handful of authors who just write like regular contemporary romance you know like I used to like read a shit ton of them because that was like all I was aware of and then I was introduced into like other things but um Candy is still like one of the original people that I still read that's like contemporary romance because there's just something about her fucking books man just gotta read them and I guess to like cleansing for the soul because like honestly I come back like I read say yes which is like her most recent release. Yeah, the 90s nostalgia. So good. I thought it was really cool. And so I literally went back, I went and read it and I was like, oh, I was like such a good book. And I was like, oh, I guess this, this is kind of relieving for the, you know, like the pieces of me that are like <laughs> super dark all the time. <laughs> Gives you a little light. Breeze. Yeah. Find some light <laughs> on your dark soul. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> what is one trope you would eventually like to write and why? it's not really a trope it's a genre but I really want to write cozy mysteries and I don't know why I don't read them particularly but I just yes (gasps) sign me up I'll beta read 
I don't know why I want to write them. It doesn't make any sense for me. I don't read them. It's not a passion of mine. I just really want to write one. I don't know. I'm I don't know. It's, it. it's random as shit, but there you go. <laughs> I am 100% here for it. Do it. Like a Nancy <laughs> type vibe. Is that what we're going for? Or are we I, going I, like I, mystery Hallmark channel type vibes? I don't know. I don't, I mean, I haven't really given it a lot of thought because if I let my brain go there, you know, I have a, you know, I don't know. I have romance to sell, right? I can't think about these things, but in the back of my mind, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., that's where I think about. <laughs> that's what's there. <laughs> it's all the crime podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know, man. What is one trope you will never write and why? Uh, fantasy. I won't write. Again, I don't, it's not necessarily a trope, but um, I will never write fantasy and I will never write like male male because I don't it's I feel people ask me for that it's like a couple of my characters like, oh that'd be a great male male and I'm like yeah but like I don't feel like that's the space for me mm-hmm. um I don't feel like I could ever do a story like that justice and yeah. so I will you'll never see me dipping my toes into that arena I don't believe all right. Um, so Stevie's going to ask our favorite trope question, which is our last one. So Stevie, take it away. If you were in a book, what trope would you want for your story? Oh, just put me, just put me in a billionaire romance and give See, me another one. That's the third one. <laughs> I love it. It's You're Christian all the same page as me. If Christian Grey needs to come rescue me, it's fine. Um, yeah, probably something like that. Or like a, um, I would want like a, yeah, I'd just give me billionaire romance. That's good. That's Stevie's um, selection, which I think legit, logistically speaking is probably the, mo- the one that's the best. Because even if the romance doesn't last, if you at least marry him, you get to have half of whatever he's got. Yeah, but see, now I'm overthinking as one does. And typically with a billionaire romance, you get the alpha assholes that we all love on paper. But if I am actually, I don't, am I living in this book? Then I don't think I could actually deal with that. So uh, now I'm second guessing myself. I could also just take a dirty, grumpy mechanic. It would be fine. Yeah, I want to reverse harem, period. <laughs> I don't even care. Or that. See, I didn't think this through. I should have prepped better. I literally have my harem five of them no more than five five is just after uh, more than five is just too many to handle but I five I have I have my harem selected because obviously if I'm selecting a trope I want for my story I'm obviously going to be able to select the book people that I want in this uh harem of men so I already have them all selected and I think they all me who are they now I want to know it is uh Damon Torrance from uh, Devil's Night series by Penelope Douglas. Okay. Rowan Whitethorn from Sarah J. Mass's Throne of Glass series. Okay. Um, uh, Alex Warren from the Shatter Me series. Okay. Uh, uh, what is his name? Wrath from J.R. Ward's Dark Lover. And yep. wait, where's my, who's my other one? Oh my gosh, I lost him. Hold up, he's in here. He's in here. Oh, and then Zeus. From and then Daddy Zeus from Welcome to the Dark Side by Gianna Darling. Okay, well, those are that's that you're gonna have a lot of personality on your hands. There. Absolutely, and I my only th- and when I think about putting all of these men together, I'm like they might kill each other, but at the same time, like I think that they might even each other out. Like Daddy Zeus won't even like like he won't even 
involve himself in all of the bullshit. Like he'll just be chilling. And then I think Alex and Damon will get along the most because they both have fucked up twisted personalities. I think Wrath where he's blind and he is just like a vampire and he's just not bothered by human bullshit will only care about loving me so he doesn't care. She's been talking about this for way too long. And then Rowan, he would be like my defender. Like if Damon and Alex got into it and they're fighting and stressing me out, Rowan would whoop their ass. So you know, may, maybe I change my maybe I change my answer. Maybe I reverse harem with five billionaires. How about that? I like it. I love that. I love money that. can't buy happiness, but it will help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be I'll be happier crying into their money when they're fighting and like alphaing, you know. I'll stand myself with their money while they're like alpha fighting over it's like I'm crying because you guys are fighting and they're like, oh, you know, like I'm gonna go to take the private jet. I'm gonna go to Paris for a few days. Okay. <laughs> exactly. But- Okay, so we, that is the end of our podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us. This has been super fun. You have been phenomenal. Um, wow. I'm, going, I'm going to let Stevie announce who day three episode is. And then I can't wait to see. Five. All right, day three is Tia Louise. Oh, I love Tia Louise. How exciting. We're super excited. Um, she, we're going to be talking about her book, Trub, is it Trouble? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a hot book, man. (laughs) I was not expecting that from her. So super excited to chat with her. But Adriana, thank you so much for joining us. This has been super fun and you've been awesome. Well, thank you guys for having me. This has been so much fun and I am honored to be in your anniversary podcast. And cut.